You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie. Our promo deal is still good for a couple more weeks, guys. Got plenty of bowl games left to bet on NFL action, college basketball action. Still plenty of money to be made. So if you've been waiting out, you've been holding out, now is the time. Don't wait any longer. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code UGA when you sign up for an account as a new user. And whatever you deposit they are going to match it up to two hundred dollars with straight up cash guys added to your account no strings attached as soon as you bet that initial deposit then that money is free for you to withdraw to do whatever you want with it so make sure guys take advantage of this while you still can again it's mybookie.ag promo code uga so you can bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie you guys know the drill i am your host tyler and i've been telling you for a week or so now, that we have a lot of glory UGA-style Peach Bowl content coming for you guys. And that starts today as I take a deep dive into the Ohio State defense. I am going to do the defense today. I'm going to start with the defense. I know their offense is what gets a lot of attention, but I want to do a little bit more research and studying on that. I'll have that for you guys next week. But defense today, the Buckeye offense will be on deck on Monday right after Christmas. And then I'll wrap it all up with a full-on official Peach Bowl preview, kind of putting all of it together. And we'll have that for you guys next Thursday, a couple days before kickoff. So, I promise I wasn't lying. I just took a little time to dive into the film, into the numbers, so that I could give you guys the most comprehensive look into this Ohio State team and into this Peach Bowl matchup that I possibly could. You guys know how we like to roll on this this podcast. And ready or not, the time has come. So let's talk some ball. And let's start with the new coordinator. I guess he's not so new anymore, but the coordinator they hired after last season which is Jim Knowles, stole him from Oklahoma State, and he was brought in to engineer an immediate turnaround of this Ohio State defense, and he has done exactly that. If you look at their numbers this year compared to last year, they are a full half yard better in yards per play, which is significant, guys, and they're 70 yards per game better in terms of total defense numbers, which is not the greatest stat in the world, but it's it's a good measuring stick for, for from year to year, right? 
but they, they weren't terrible last year. I know they got a bad rap defensively because they were so good on offense, but they weren't terrible. They just they were kind of average. They were okay. They were fine. They just weren't championship level good. They've moved closer to that level this year. But the next three weeks, next couple of weeks here, will tell us if Jim Knowles has gotten them over the hump to that championship level good. Has he gotten them there yet? I don't know if we know that. And you know, I've heard a lot of talk uh, from Georgia fans out there on social media and here in Athens as well, since the playoff matchups were announced, that this Ohio State team is, you know, it's it's a, it's a typical Ohio State team, right? That they're an elite offense, but the defense that doesn't hold up its end of the bargain. And basically, the idea is that, you know, this year Ohio State's team is just like last year's, so the defense that was its fatal flaw. Well, yes and no, kind of. I don't know. Like, when you look at the numbers, all right? And we're, I'm going to lay out some raw numbers here for you guys in a second. When you look at the raw numbers... It doesn't exactly support that narrative that this Ohio State defense is a, a weak point, uh, a fatal flaw for this Buckeye football team. What the numbers tell you is that while this Ohio State defense still is not the equal of the Ohio State offense, it's not operating at that level, it is a dramatically improved unit from what it was a year ago. And I know a lot of Georgia fans out there don't want to hear this and don't want to believe this, but if we're just going by the numbers, what do the numbers tell us? The numbers tell us that statistically, for whatever that's worth, but statistically, this Ohio State defense ain't that far behind ours. Our defense is still clearly better. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm suggesting. Our defense is better, yes. But statistically, statistically speaking, the raw numbers here, the Ohio State defensive numbers aren't that far off. And here's why I want to back that up, right? I told you guys I had some numbers for you. I'm not just going to say something like that without backing it up. So let's dive in here, okay? So again, my, my premise here is that our defense is better from a statistical standpoint, but it's not a runaway freight train degree of better than Ohio State's defense. So if you've got total defensive numbers, like total defense, like that's, I don't want to say it's a completely worthless stat, but it's not that great, but we'll start there. Total defense, we are ninth nationally with 292 yards a game surrendered. Ohio State, not that far behind us, guys. 11th nationally with 303 yards allowed per game. Yards per play, which I think is a far more insightful number. Um, Same story here. We are 14th nationally, giving up 4.77 yards per play. Ohio State is 18th nationally, giving up 4.88 yards per play. So you can see the, the trend already. We are better, but they're like not that far behind. Rush defense. Now, we are the best rush defense in the country. We kind of have been for a couple of years now. That's what we do. That is our trademark. We are first nationally, giving up 76.9 yards per game on the ground. Ohio State, now they're a little bit further behind us here. They're still top 25, though. They're 23rd nationally, giving up 119 yards per game on the ground. Uh, yards per rush, obviously, we are still better there. We are fifth nationally in yards per rush allowed, giving up 2.93 yards per run. They are top 20. They're 19th, giving up 3.42 yards per rush opportunity rate. So this is a more advanced statistical measure for those of you who aren't familiar with opportunity rate. It's very simple. This is just a measure of the, the the percentage of times when four yards are available to be gained, how often are you gaining four yards, at least four yards? And we are first nationally in defensive opportunity. We're, we're only allowing their opponents when four yard our opponents, when four yards are available to gain at least four yards, 
35% of the time. Ohio State, not as good as us, but again, here's the same trend. They're not that far behind. They're still top 10. They're ninth nationally with a 40.6% opportunity rate. Uh, pass defense, let's go to the, to the air attack here. Uh, this is where Ohio State actually uh, is a little bit better than us, at least statistically. They are 14th nationally, giving up 184 yards per game through the air. We are 51st nationally, giving up 215 yards per game. And I know some of you are screaming at the phone, at uh, computer, whatever it is that you're listening to this podcast on right now saying, but we played Tennessee. We played Oregon. I'll, I'll get there, guys. I'll get there. Uh, trust me. I'm going there. I'm just giving the raw numbers right now. Uh, yards per pass attempt. Uh, we're actually better in terms of yards per pass attempt. Uh, we're only giving up 6.2 yards per attempt, which is 13th nationally. Ohio State's giving up 6.8, which is 45th nationally. Uh, explosive plays surrendered. So I, I'm I am defining this as plays of 30 or more yards. Some people say 10 or more. Some say 20. To me, I'm going to go 30 or more, right? Um, this is where, like, we're, we're similar here. Ohio State's a little bit better, uh, which is not very George-like. We, we typically do a very good job in re- limiting the number of explosive plays that we give up, but we haven't done as good of a job at that this year. Now, again, we play some good offenses, but, you know, Ohio State, they're 51st nationally. They're getting up 21 plays of 30 or more yards on the year. We are 63rd nationally. We've given up 23, so very similar there. Uh, sack rate, as you might imagine, you guys know it's well documented. We don't rush the passer extraordinarily well, at least in terms of getting guys on the ground, the actual sack numbers. I think we do a great job of actually pressuring and affecting the quarterback, which is really what you're going for. Um, but Ohio State is really good rushing the passer, much better than us. So on standard passing down, on standard downs, not passing downs, but just standard downs, so it's basically first and second down, right? We are 93rd nationally in sack rate. Uh, on passing downs, we are 80th nationally. Overall, we are 111th nationally in sack rate. Ohio State, on the other hand, on standard downs, they are first nationally. On pass downs, they are 61st nationally, and that comes out overall. They are 27th nationally in sack rate. So a, a significantly uh, better pass rush, at least in terms of getting sacks, than, than our defense. That's something that they they put a premium on. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Um, third down, we are better. We are third nationally in opponent third down conversions. We are only giving up third. Uh, third down conversion on 26.7% of opportunities. Ohio State, 13th, 30.5. Scoring defense, we are second nationally, giving up 12.8 points per game. Ohio State, 13th nationally, so top 15, 19.3 points per game. Red zone touchdown percentage. Now, this is where we have probably our biggest advantage against Ohio State. We are first nationally, giving up touchdowns on only 32% of opponent possessions inside the red zone. Ohio State, 71st nationally in that same category, giving up touchdowns to opponents on 60.8% of those red zone opportunities. So that is a huge, huge, huge advantage for us in this game. So those are the raw numbers, right? I told you to lay out the raw numbers. There they are. So just based on the, the raw numbers, as I told you, my premise is pretty simple. We are a better defense. So I, I read out a bunch of categories there. I think in all but three categories, we are statistically better than Ohio State. But you listen to that, right? I know it was a lot of numbers, but I hope you picked up on some of that. While, yes, we are statistically better than them in almost all these categories, they are not that far behind, right? But, but, as with anything, there is context here. You guys know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm a big context guy. Numbers are good. I just went through those numbers. They can tell you a lot. They can be insightful at times, but they can also be very misleading without the proper context. So let's do that. Let's put those raw numbers into context. All right. And the context I'm going to use here is basically strength of opponent offense, right? So Georgia, our beloved Bulldogs, 
We have faced the number one offense in the country in terms of, and I'm using yards per play. I'm not using total offense. I'm using yards per play because to me, that is a measure, a far better measure of, of efficiency and explosiveness than just raw like, hey, this is the total yards they've gained because that that can be very easily skewed by the number of plays that you run if you're a tempo offense, if you're not. So I'm going to go yards per play here, right? I think it's a better measure. So we face the number one yards per play offense in the country. They're also the number one uh, total offense, so it doesn't matter there with them. But Tennessee, like we know how good Tennessee is offensively. We face that offense. We face two top 10 offenses, Tennessee and Oregon. We face three top 20 offenses nationally yards per play, Tennessee, Oregon, and Florida, all three in the top 20 in yards per play. We face four top 30. We'll say top 30-ish. LSU is number 31. Well, we'll just, you know, for argument's sake, let's say top 30, right? Close enough. Four top 30, Tennessee, Oregon, Florida, and LSU. We faced five offenses in the top 50 of yards per play with South Carolina being that fifth team. And then on the other end of the offensive spectrum, we've only played one offense in the 100s, that being Georgia Tech during rivalry week. Well, what about Ohio State? Well, let's look at Ohio State. Ohio State has faced a grand total of one top 20 offenses in yards per play, that being Michigan. They faced two top 50 offenses in yards per play, Michigan and Penn State. And that's it. That's it, guys. The list stops there. And Penn State was barely inside the top 50. And then on the other end of the offensive spectrum for Ohio State, they have faced five teams, five FBS teams in the bottom 15 of offensive yards per play. Arkansas State, Indiana, Northwestern, Rutgers, and Iowa are all five in the bottom 15. Four of those teams are in the bottom 10, Northwestern, Indiana, Rutgers, and Iowa. And I'm not done yet, guys. I'm going to keep going here. Three of those teams are finished in the bottom six nationally in yards per play offensively. Indiana, Rutgers, and Iowa. Those are the offenses that Ohio State has played this season. So again, we played five top 50 offenses nationally in yards per play. Ohio State played two. We played one offense in the 100s. That was Georgia Tech. Ohio State played five. They they played three in the bottom six nationally in yards per play. And, and how did we fare against those best teams we played? So the top two offenses that we played, Tennessee and Oregon, well, Tennessee came into that game, or right now, I shouldn't say come into that game, right now, they averaged 538 yards a game and 7.35 yards per play. That's that's an elite offense. Those are big time numbers, right? Well, you guys remember what happened here in Athens, right? We held that explosive powerful Tennessee offense to 289 total yards and 3.9 yards per play. Oregon, who after they played us week one, just exploded offensively in every other game. They they ended up averaging 507 yards per game on the year and 6.94 yards per play. What did we hold them to? Oh yeah, 313 total yards, 4.6 yards per play. What that means is we held the two best offenses on our schedule to a combined 443 and 5.79 yards below their season averages. What about Ohio State? Well, the the two best offenses they play, well, Michigan, Michigan Michigan put up 76.5 more yards and 2.21 yards per play above their offensive average against Ohio State. And Penn State put up 50 more yards against Ohio State than they put up in all of their other games. 
So there's your context. There's your context, guys. And look, I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans. So I've seen like two extremes, right? I've seen the Georgia fans saying, well, Ohio State's defense is flat out garbage, which that's not true. Their defense is not what it was last year. They are better than they were last year. But on the other side, I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans trumpeting those numbers saying like, hey, we're, like, we're not that far off from you guys. Like, we're just as good as you. The narrative from a lot of the Ohio State fans out there, at least on social media, and then like take that for what it's worth The social media. It's a carnival funhouse of, of toxicity at times, most of the time actually. But regardless, what you hear from Ohio State fans on social media by and large is that, okay, Ohio State has the significantly better offense and their defense might not be quite as good as ours, but it's, it's close. It's almost equal to ours. Well, I would argue that is very lazy, and that's just blind homerism. Like, is the Ohio State defense good? I've told you guys, yes, they are good. I'm not trying to suggest they're not. They, this is a good defense. They have good players. Are they improved from last year? Yes, absolutely. Jim Knowles has them playing far better than they were at any point last year. But that can, that can be true, but something else can also be true. It's also true they played in a conference with some of the most wretched offenses in the entire country, and they were able to feast on those wretched offenses, those wretched Big Ten offenses. And against the only two top 50 offenses they played all year, they got worked. Those are just the facts. So those are the numbers and the context I think is really important to include when you are trying to gauge how good the Ohio State defense is and how they kind of compare to the Georgia defense. And next up, I do want to get to some scheme talk, some personnel talk. We'll get there in just a moment. But first, again, I want to remind everyone once again about our friends at MyBookie. I'm sitting here recording this on December 20th, which means tomorrow, MyBookie's 12 Days of Christmas begins. And guys, like you're going to love this. What are these 12 days of Christmas you speak of, you might ask? Well, it's pretty simple, guys. It's just 12 days where MyBookie is trying to give you free cash to, to to bet with. That's what they're doing, right? They're just getting, getting creative. They have some parlays that are like the like layup parlays, just giving you free cash. They have free plays. They have free contest injuries. Again, they're just trying to find ways to give you money, guys. So don't make it hard on them. Why would you make it harder on someone who's trying to give you free money, right? So go ahead, do your part today. Jump on mybookie.ag. Sign up for a brand new account. Use that promo code UGA. You'll get your your bonus cash up to $200, and then you get all these 12 days of Christmas giveaways. It's a no-brainer, guys. Make sure to jump on it today, right now, and you guys will not regret it. Make sure to bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, so I laid out some numbers for you guys, put some context to them, but let's move beyond the numbers and let's dive into some scheme talk, maybe a little personnel talk here as well. So, schematically, Ohio State runs a base 425. That's what they run. And it's a very aggressive 425 defense. They get a lot of bodies around line of scrimmage, guys. That's the, the, like when I started my film study of Ohio State, I noticed this during the season when I was watching them. I wasn't watching them as closely during the season because I didn't know that we were going to be playing them, but they were a good team. So I watched as much of them as I could. Um, and when I watched them you know, early in the year, I was like, I certainly noticed it, and against Michigan, big time I noticed against Michigan, and it showed up in, like, now that I've gone back and watched basically every game they've played this year, it just, it stands out in, like, every single game. They get a lot of bodies around the line of scrimmage. Guys, I'm talking, like, nine dudes within six to seven yards of the line of scrimmage routinely. That's, that's kind of just what they do. It's almost as a rule for them. And again, I saw it against Michigan, but it wasn't just against Michigan. It wasn't just against run-heavy teams. It's it's almost though like schematic what they're trying to do is force the issue, right? They're, they're trying to create havoc. They're trying to create disruption, and they're trying to get you off your game and maybe force you into mistakes. Now, what do they play behind this aggressive front? Primarily, from a coverage standpoint, they play like an off-cover one. Uh, they give a lot of cushion out there. They, they don't do a lot of press man stuff. My personal opinion on why they don't play more press man and why it's a, a more soft cover one they play is I don't think they trust their cornerbacks, and I think that's with good reason. Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown are their starters, and they're fine. They're okay. They're they're not They're not elite, and they're not even like, particularly good you know for for a while there Ohio State liked to pump their chest and say they were DBU and maybe once upon a time they were I mean they had some big time players right you had Arnett there you had Akuda and all those guys there and it goes back even further than that but um yeah they don't have those guys right now they don't have those guys outside right now they just don't have them in the secondary at all um and the way they play also in terms of like playing this like off cover one and having so many bodies up and around line of scrimmage it makes tackling the back end very very important I'll give you an example here so Michigan the first big play they hit against, and they hit ton, they had like five huge plays that won them that game. But Michigan, the the first big play they hit in that game in the first half was um, it was really just a quick hitch route, uh, and they got pressure on like they they got pressure pretty much all day on JJ McCarthy. McCarthy's an athlete though; he's able to barely get the ball off. He gets the ball off on a quick little hitch route, almost like a, an alert route, a hot route to Cornelius Johnson on the outside there. He's one on one with a cornerback. The cornerback's playing a little bit off of him, and he just made the cornerback miss. Guy didn't tackle him, and he took that simple hitch. 70 yards for a touchdown, a big explosive play that got Michigan rolling in that game. So that's really what they like to do for the most part. And that's not the only thing they do. They don't sit back there and play like this this off cover one all game long. They do it more than they do anything else, but they'll also throw in some cover three occasionally. I've seen them throw in some Tampa two stuff where you drop the inside linebacker um, back to the middle of the field, deep middle. Um, and they tend to do that when you start hurting them in the middle of the field. I don't see that a ton from them, but they do have that in their arsenal. But again, at the, at the end of the day, this is a very, very aggressive attacking style defense, especially in that front seven. And you know what? Like from down to down, it's largely effective for them. They create a lot of negative plays. I, I, I told you guys earlier, they're first nationally in standard down sack rate. Why is that? 
because they're extraordinarily aggressive on first and second down. Rushing the passer, not one of these teams that just sits back and waits to get in third and long to pin their ears back and rush the passer. They're just a really aggressive by rule on all downs. That's kind of just what they do. So they create negative plays. That they they hold the run game in check for the most part. Again, going back to the, to the, some of those numbers, now they're not as good as us against the run, but like relatively speaking to the rest of the country, they are good. They're top twenty five. They're twenty third nationally in rush defense, giving one hundred nineteen yards per game. They're top twenty in yards per rush defense, giving up only three point four two yards per rush. So no, they're not as good as us stopping the run, but they're still really good doing that. And that a big part of that is because they are so aggressive. They do a ton of stunting up front, not just like pass rush stunting, trying to create pressure on the quarterback. They do a lot of run stunting as well on some of those early standard downs. So from down to down, like it really is pretty effective for them. The problem for them though is this. When you are that aggressive and you attack the way that they do up front, it opens you up to big plays. And I'm going to go back and use the Michigan game as another case study here. All right, guys? So Michigan against Ohio State, the only top 20 offense in yards to play that Ohio State has faced all year. They, they worked Ohio State, at least in the final numbers, right? But if you actually go back and watch that game, I watched it live. I go back and watch it again um, with a fine tooth comb to get ready for this episode, to get ready for this game, to get you guys ready for it. And Michigan had, they ended up with 530 total yards in that game on 60 plays. So you look at that and you're like, wow, okay, Michigan, like they just like destroyed Ohio State's defense. Well, I mean, yes and no. 349 of those 530 yards, guys. So again, 530 total yards, basically 350 of those 530 yards came on five plays for Michigan, all five of which went for touchdowns. There were there was two long passing plays, 60-plus yarders, two Cornelius Johnson, one, it's like a 49-yarder to the tight end, uh, Loveland, and there was two late fourth-quarter breakaway touchdowns for running back Donovan Edwards on the ground. All five of those went for touchdowns. Guys, on those five plays, 349 yards. That means 70 yards per play. 70 freaking yards per play on five plays. The other 55 plays that Michigan ran in that game, guys, you can do the math here, 181 yards. 181 yards on the 55 other plays Michigan ran. Comes out to only 3.2 yards per play. So what I'm telling you here is that in that game, you know, the final score said that Michigan just blew out Ohio State. The Ohio State defense actually played well down to down. They just got worked on five plays. Now, those five plays happen. You cannot take that away from Michigan. And that's that's the risk you run playing the way that Ohio State plays defensively. That's part of the deal. But down to down, it's not like they're getting gashed every single play. It wasn't like Michigan was just gashing them for seven, eight, nine yards per pop. That's not what was happening that game. They were stoning Michigan for 55 plays. It's just five plays that Michigan hit some explosive plays, and that's why they won that football game. So the reason I think this is important, how it translates to our matchup with them, is I just want to tell you guys right now, don't get too discouraged if we are not gashing Ohio State with the run game right away. Don't get discouraged, guys. We have got to keep plugging away and plugging away and plugging away. Those big plays will be there to be had eventually if we execute in both the pass game and and the run game, just like those plays were there for Michigan, but not just Michigan, for Penn State as well, even for Maryland to a little bit of a lesser degree, but they were there, and they're going to be there for us if we are patient and we continue to play our game and just understand, you know what, they're going to create some negative plays. They're going to stone us from time to time because they have good players, and they play really aggressive in the front seven. They have a lot of bodies around the box within six to seven yards of that box, but that also 
presents opportunities for us if we just stay patient and play our football game. You know, I mentioned Tennessee earlier talking about Tennessee's offense, but in trying to give you guys a comparison, like what team that we've played so far this year that the Ohio State defense kind of reminds me of, and I think it's the Tennessee defense. I think they honestly play a lot like Tennessee does defensively from like uh, how they approach defensive football. They're just like Tennessee. They are hyper, hyper, hyper aggressive against the run and trying to rush the passer. Like they are trying to force the issue. Guys, when I say like hyper aggressive, I I don't necessarily mean like they're bringing like five and six rushers every snap. That's not really what I'm talking about. When I say hyper aggressive, I'm saying that they're getting a lot of bodies near the box. And when they see run action, they are hyper aggressive attacking run action. And that's inside linebackers. That's edge players, that safeties, that star defenders, all those guys are just really, really aggressive against run action. They don't really bring more than four pass rushers all that often. And I think that's because they don't think they have to. I'm going to get to the personnel here in a minute. They have really, really good personnel on the edges that can create havoc. So I don't think they, they, they feel like they don't need to bring extra bodies when they've got guys like Zach Harrison and JT Tuimalau and Jack Sawyer. They just don't think they have to, but they, they're kind of aggressive in the front seven the way that Tennessee is. That's why Tennessee is so good against the run, but so terrible against the pass. And kind of the same thing for Ohio State. They're, relatively speaking, good against the run and relatively speaking, not so good against the pass. They leave their cornerbacks on an island um, with a lot of single high cover one looks. Now, the difference between Tennessee and Ohio State's defense is that Tennessee plays a lot of like press man stuff on the outside. Like They're really trying to force the issue, even though they don't have good cornerbacks and that's why they get torched sometimes out there. Ohio State doesn't, play with fire as much as Tennessee does like they, they'll, they'll put their corners out there on an island but it's a soft island right they don't play as much press man stuff they play off more but like Tennessee and I told you guys this when we were preparing for the Tennessee matchup like I don't I didn't understand what Tennessee was trying to do like I, I guess I understand what they're doing I just don't agree with it but it, it's just a very strange approach um Tennessee and Ohio State they're, they're not good in the back end like neither team is good in the back end both are pretty good in the front seven but they put their cornerbacks on the island out there they put a lot of stress on them and I don't understand why you would do that with what I believe to be the weakness of your defense being in the back end. I think that's true of Tennessee. I think it's true of Ohio State, maybe to a lesser degree for Ohio State, but it's certainly true of Ohio State, especially at cornerback. So schematically, that's what Ohio State likes to do. I'm going to get to the personnel, the actual players themselves here in just a minute, but let me tell you guys about Alumni Hall. You guys know, I've been talking about Alumni Hall for, for years now, but this is game time, guys. Like This is when Alumni Hall is at your service more than any other time of the year. They're always at your service. But when it comes to holiday season, Alumni Hall is a lifesaver, guys. For all the Georgia fans in your lives, there is no better place for you to go pick up the Christmas gift that'll get you all the accolades than Alumni Hall. Whether it's Nike stuff, whether it's Cutter and Buck, whether it's Peter Millar, Johnny O, which is a personal favorite of mine. I got a ton of Johnny O stuff. In fact, all of my Johnny O stuff has come from Alumni Hall. Whether you're looking for hoodies, t-shirts, hats, whether you're looking for car accessories, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you want for the Georgia fans in your lives, now is the time Go turn yourself into a Christmas hero, getting the best gifts for all the people in your lives at Alumni Hall inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens. But don't worry, guys. If you're not in the Athens area, no big deal. Just go to alumnihall.com and everything they got in store is right there for your shopping as well. And when they deliver, guys, they put their little special touches on. There's no customer service anywhere out there like Alumni Hall. So make sure to check it out today, guys, because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys. So we've talked numbers, we've talked scheme. The last part of this is the personnel. So let's dive into the actual players on the field for this Ohio State defense. I mentioned a little bit earlier. Let's go back there. They're going to start here. The strength of this Ohio State defense from a personnel standpoint is clearly 100% at edge rusher. This is the spot where they have consistently recruited well. So you go back a couple of years, we got Chase Young, you got the Bosa brothers, right? They've had a ton of guys over the past couple of years that have been big time elite players coming off the edge. And this year's no different. I don't think these guys are quite that level, at least not yet, but this is the cream of the crop for this Ohio State defense. These are the best players. This is the strength of their, of their, of their defense. And I wouldn't say their team, but certainly their defense. They got three guys, okay? JT Tuamalau, who has three and a half sacks in the year. Jack Sawyer, four and a half sacks in the year. And Zach Harrison, three sacks in the year. Now, Zach Harrison, I think, is more of a five-tech guy, but he's an edge rusher. He rushes off the edge. He's a little bit longer than, than I'm going to say JTT. I keep thinking I'm messing his name up. So I would say JTT and longer than Jack Sawyer, certainly. But all three of those guys are blue chippers, guys. Harrison, JTT, and Sawyer, all five stars. In fact, Sawyer and JTT were top five players nationally coming out of that 2021 class. They loaded up a couple years ago in that class. They are very, very talented off the edges. And I'm just telling you guys, they're going to give us all we can handle in straight pass rush situations. But here's what I also see when I watch these guys play. They are talented. They are extremely talented, okay? And we've got to be ready for them. But there are some holes in their game. When you watch them play consistently, this is not just one game here and there. This is consistently. All three of those guys, especially Harrison, have a propensity to get way upfield rushing the pass. I'm talking wildly up the field. I mean, I'm talking 10 to 12 yards up the field at times, guys, rushing the pass. I mean, I've paused the TV a couple different times, paused the computer, I'm watching on the computer, and I try to measure it out by yardage. I'm, I'm dead serious, guys. I'm talking 10 to 12 yards upfield rushing the passer. And sure, sometimes you can get the passer doing that. Yeah, absolutely, you can. But what it also does is it creates levels in the defense, right? And that creates rushing lanes when you're rushing that wildly upfield. I think split zone or maybe even inside zone is probably the best way to attack them with the way they rush off the edge like that so wildly. Because you have a split zone, you got Darnell, probably Darnell, could be brought, but primarily Darnell, who's going to be coming across line of scrimmage and he can kick him out. But honestly, those guys kind of take themselves out of the play. So you have Darnell who would normally be kicking that guy out 
that edge rusher, but they're taking themselves out of the play like that. He can just lead up on a linebacker, uh, on, a, on a second level player there to give us even more of an advantage in the run game and more opportunities to some of those explosive plays in the run game. I, I know we're, we've become really, really, really adept at running counter. I don't know if I would say we are a counter football team, but maybe kind of we are, but I... We're going to run counter. we got to run counter. We're just too good at it to not run counter. But it's almost like we don't even need to run it that much against them because, again, like when you're rushing that far upfield, at least what I've seen on tape them pretty consistently, they almost kind of take themselves out of the play. So I think a lot of split zone, inside zone even, could be the best way to attack them. We'll run some counters. You can't do just one thing. You guys know that. But I think we'll see some more split zones, some more inside zone than maybe we have seen you know, the back half of the year. But that is definitely the strength of this team, those three guys rushing off the edge. I will say Sawyer... Um, he's a good pass rusher. He's gonna be explosive guy at the edge. He's not great against the run. Um, he's smaller than the other two. Uh, JTT and Harrison are both like 270 ish pounds. Sorry's about 240, 245. So it's not like he's small, but he doesn't hold up as well against the run. I mean, he he gets he gets moved off the ball. Uh, I don't want to say like you know routinely, but more commonly than the other two. And I think he's a guy that. That if he's in there on rundowns, like, like run at the guy because he's not going to be able to. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that he's as light in the britches as as a guy like Harold Perkins, but I mean, kind of. He's kind of closer to that, so I think he's a guy that we could really take advantage of when he's in the game. Run the ball at that guy, number 33. And then on the defensive line, so yes, they are great off the edges. Those guys are super talented. On the defensive line, the interior of their defensive line. Yeah, not so much. Not as much. They have just um, just a bunch of guys there. Like the, They don't have game changers on the interior of their defensive line. Teron Vincent is their closest thing to it, number six. He plays defensive tackle for them. He's the biggest mainstay on the interior for them. Um, usually what they have out there on any random down, it's, it's usually Teron Vincent, Harrison, and then either JTT or Sawyer, and then either Ty Hamilton or Michael uh, Hall Jr., at at the nose guard position, Michael Hall Jr. has actually got four and a half sacks from that nose guard position. He's a little undersized, about two ninety five, but he's got some twitch to his game. He he can rush the passer from the interior, so nothing to watch out for there. But those guys on the interior, that even sublime, like they're not bad. I'm not saying they're they're bad players by any stretch of the imagination. They're just not the same caliber as their edge rushers. They're not difference makers. They're just not. They're kind of. Um, I know this sounds mean, but like I'm just trying to be real with you. They're kind of just bodies there. They're they're not they're not elite guys. They're not uh, inside linebacker. Kind of the same-ish thing as the defensive line, but they're they're I don't know they're kind of in the middle. They're like they're not just guys like they have on the tier of the defensive line, but they're not elite athletes, elite players like they have on the edges rushing the passer. But they have they have some good players. Tommy Eichenberg is their best inside linebacker. Um, he's been around for a while. They remember Tough Borland a couple years ago. I think it was was it the twenty twenty it was a COVID year, so it was twenty twenty right the twenty twenty national championship game with with Alabama and Ohio State. I think it was. Um, it was Devontae Smith, right? Devontae Smith had Tuff Borland, that linebacker, big, hulking, lumbering linebacker, chasing him downfield, had him matched up in, uh, in pass coverage. And it's like, yeah, that should never happen. Eichenberg is more athletic than Borland, but like not that much more. He's kind of in that same vein. Um, but he's had a really good year for them. He, he played a lot for them last year. Um, he wasn't a liability last year, but he wasn't especially good either. He did take a big step forward this year, and he earned himself all Big Ten first-team honors playing inside linebackers. So he's a good player. Steel Chambers is the guy that plays uh, next to Eichenberg more than anybody. Um, he's not out there all the time, but he's the starter next to Eichenberg. He's actually a Georgia kid. He's from, he went to Blessed Trinity here uh, in Roswell, I think Blessed Trinity is in. So he's a guy that some of you might know from recruiting. I looked at him a little bit, might remember that name. Maybe if you watch Georgia high school football, if you follow that, if you're from that from that area, from the Roswell area, you probably know that name. He um, 
he's not Eichenberg. He's not. Um, Eichenberg, I, I, again, I think he improved a lot this year. I think he's a really good downhill linebacker. He's good with his run fits. He's not really a space player, but he's not like a, a massive liability in space. He's just not, like, that's just not what he does well. That's not what he's best at. He's best at being an old school downhill thumper with his run fits. Chambers is fine. He's okay. He's not a bad player. But he's not like especially good either. He gets lost out there sometimes. You watch him on tape, and sometimes you're like, dude, what what exactly are you doing? And it's kind of strange considering he's been there for four years. He's a redshirt junior, same as Eichenberg. Uh, but he's not as good with his run fits. He's not as strong uh, against the run. He's not particularly great in space either. He's probably a more comfortable in space than Eichenberg, but he's not great there. He doesn't seem like he knows what's going on half the time out there. He's not an especially great tackler either. He's fine. Like he's, he's okay. But like I told you guys earlier, both these inside linebackers, Eichenberg and Chambers are hyper aggressive against run action. So what does that mean for us? Now we'll get into more of like, what can we do to counter them on our official preview next week? I just kind of wanted to lay, lay the groundwork for you guys, get you kind of familiar with, with this team, with this personnel, with their schemes, with their numbers, like who this Ohio State defense is and how we're going to attack them, how we can attack them. I'll go into more detail with that next week on our official, like full on preview where we pull all this together, but just give you a little, um, a, a quick little preview of that. With the way that they play, especially in the front seven in general, especially inside linebackers, I think they are ripe for play action. They're going to create a lot of room between the safeties and the linebackers with how they are aggressive against run action. RPO game, same thing. And then also the way that they are so aggressive filling against the run and getting like basically level with the line of scrimmage, it creates opportunities for explosive runs because if the running back gets past that first level, now it's easier said than done because they have a lot of bodies there, right? But if you can, if you get it blocked up and, and sometimes guys, honestly, sometimes their run fits aren't great. Like they'll have two guys in the same gap and there's one gap sitting wide open and, and Michigan was able to exploit that a couple times late in that game in the fourth quarter. You can hit explosive plays because there's basically nothing behind it, right? So there's you get all these guys in the box and you got maybe one safety back there deep. Well, if you make that one guy miss and those guys aren't big, so you know you can knock them, you can run through those guys. Then big explosive plays are there, and again, you have an opportunity for explosive plays is even further enhanced because of their tendency to take some of those false steps. The thing about their inside linebackers is they're good athletes, but they're not like elite athletes, so when they take false steps, which is not uncommon for them, they're not good enough athletes to recalibrate and recover fast enough. So between that and what I told you guys earlier, the, the propensity of their edge rushers to, to kind of just rush wildly upfield, this could also be a game where we use Stetson's legs more, whether it's designed runs, which I think we might see some more of that in this game, or even Stetson just taking off when, the, when those lanes present themselves. I think his legs could end up potentially being a big factor in this game. And then finally, their secondary. I mentioned it earlier, guys. I think the secondary is the weakness of their entire team. Not just their defense. I think their entire team, in my opinion. They are okay-ish in coverage, but not elite at all. And not even really good. And here's the thing that really stands out to me with this secondary, guys. And another reason why I think it's the weakness of their team. It's not just a coverage thing. They are small in the back end. At corner and at safety. They are not big guys back there. And I'm going to get into this more on our full preview episode, like I just mentioned, but another little another little taste of what I'm going to talk about on that episode. I would use our screen game early and often in this game against Ohio State. Get the ball, particularly get the ball and brought Bowers' hands on screens as much as possible because that is advantage Georgia. Because you got Brock Bowers, 
with his ability to break tackles out, out there, the, the runaway freight train he is once he gets in the secondary, they are not going to be able to stop him. Remember back to, I know we lost the game, but remember back to the, the, the SEC championship game last year against Alabama, right? And I know like we were down, whatever, but Brock was just like throwing guys off of him, right? Well, um, those Bama defenders they was throwing off of him were far bigger and stronger than anyone Ohio State has out there in, the, in their back end. So get the ball into Brock's hands and let the dude go to work. I'm serious, guys. They're going to miss tackles in space, and, and our tight ends can run through those arm tackles, and with so many bodies in the box, those are big plays waiting to happen on short passes. And I'll leave you with this, guys. Last thing before I get out of here today. They have some good players, especially off the edges. Inside linebackers are solid. Tommy Eichenberg is the first team, all Big Ten guy. Teron Vincent's okay. He's a solid player on the defensive line. But here's the thing that I think hurts Ohio State the most. They have no depth. Those guys I mentioned, those names I threw out at you, Tommy Eichenberg, Zach Harrison, Steel Chambers, Teron Vincent, all those dudes, they play almost every snap. There is not a lot of rotating on this defense because they don't have that type of quality depth, not the type of quality depth that we have. And that is something that I think could work very much in our favor. If we can keep this game close into the fourth quarter, this is where I think that we can take over this game, especially with how we like to play offensively. Now, if we're out of the game and we can't run the football the way that we want to because we're, we're trying to storm back, then all bets are off. But if we can keep this game close, even if we don't have the lead, even if it's close, we get in the fourth quarter, I like our chances. Because guys, in the last three games, the last three games of regular season for Ohio State, they gave up 45 points in the fourth quarter to Indiana, Maryland, and Michigan combined. You know how many points that we've got up in the fourth quarter all season long, including the SEC Championship game, so 13 games to Ohio State's 12? We've given up 44 points in 13 games in the fourth quarter. And how many of those points were against our backups without our starters in the game? Think about that for a minute. We might not have the edge rushers Ohio State has. That's true. But what we do have is we have a ton of guys that are high-quality players that we can roll with, and we keep these guys fresh, and we are ready to fight in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you can say the same about Ohio State. I don't know. So again, if we can keep it close, if we can be within striking distance in the fourth quarter, I like our chances because this Ohio State team is going to be worn down. That's exactly what Michigan did, guys. Those two late touchdowns that that, uh, Donovan Edwards broke off, they're late in the fourth quarter, all right? Dominic Edwards ended up with 216 yards rushing in that game. That dude had under 100 yards going to the fourth quarter. He had like 85 yards rushing going into the fourth quarter. And then Michigan's ground game, their physicality just took over against a, a, a worn down Ohio State front seven. And you know who also plays a lot like Michigan and just has better players? Oh yeah, that's right. The Georgia Bulldogs. So just something to think about. Just something to think about. Well, again, we'll talk about that more when we get to our full on preview next week. But that's all I got for you today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I just want to give you a, a quick primer, a scout in the enemy episode to get you ready for this Ohio State defense. I'll be back on the Monday following Christmas, so a couple of days, with the offensive version of the scout and the enemy stuff for Ohio State. And then Charlie and I will have part two of our bowl picks for you, and then we'll wrap up. I'm hope, I think we're going to get Curtis on that episode we got some family stuff going on, obviously, with the holidays, but we're going to try to get Curtis on the episode for our full-on Peach Bowl preview. So a lot of great stuff coming up for you guys over the next week or so. But uh, I'm Tyler. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And as always, go dogs.